But art is so, it's really hard like that because art heavily depends on us. And because we are the ones who create the art, like whether it's a dance or illustration. And so if we're not feeling well, like we can't produce. And so yeah. it's, it's a beautiful thing, but also really difficult that, that our art heavily relies on our well-being. Hello and welcome to the Tending Creativity Podcast, a podcast where I interview artists and creatives of marginalized genders about their creative practices and lives. My name is Marissa and I'm the host of Tending Creativity. Today's episode is an interview with the amazing Rochelle Navales-Yao of Dancing Kind. Rochelle is the founder, owner of Dancing Kind, which is Rochelle's brand and shop where she sells curated vintage clothing as well as more recently in-house designs that are designed by Rochelle and are sustainably handmade in Los Angeles, California with deadstock fabrics sourced here as well. Dancing Kind is also special because as the name suggests, dance is a prominent theme within the shop. Rochelle shares the clothing she finds and creates on social media often by dancing with them on, encouraging the idea that the clothing you wear should make you want to dance. Dancing Kind's in-house line so far has comprised of the Isabel dresses, the Seasons dresses, and the Sherry set, which is comprised of a top and skirt. The pieces are designed with comfort and motherhood in mind. They are nursing friendly, have pockets, and are made of natural fibers, and they are so, so beautiful and timeless. I had the pleasure of actually meeting Rochelle and modeling for Dancing Kind this past summer in 2022 for the summer collection of the Isabel mini dresses. And Rochelle is so vibrant and passionate about Dancing Kind and that really comes through in the clothing. This interview with Rochelle is actually from 22 as well because I did get a bit behind on editing. Um, so at the end, we talk a little bit about upcoming prints for the Isabel dress for fall, but those prints are already out and two of them are still available along with two newer designs, which I mentioned earlier, the Seasons dress and the Sherry set. So please check out Dancing Kind's website and Instagram after the episode to check out those pieces. Rochelle and I talked about her journey as a creative to where she is now with Dancing Kind. Rochelle was originally a dancer and she still is, but we talked about her experience in the dance world in her early 20s to becoming a teacher and then to starting Dancing Kind and eventually creating her own in-house line and designs. Just so much good stuff and I really appreciate being able to learn from Rochelle and her view on being an artist. So please enjoy the episode and remember to subscribe if you aren't already and leave a rating and a review if you enjoy the episode. All right, I'll get right into the interview now. So let me start off by saying thank you again, Rochelle, for agreeing to speak to me, to be on the podcast. Let me interview you. You know, I've been following you for a few years now before it was Dancing Kind, um, I think when you were Happy Dance. And yeah, I've been really enjoying like your content and I was like really enjoying seeing you create your own designs and stuff. So you've been like on my guest guest list to reach out to for potential guests, hoping that, um, you know, I can interview since before. Um, and then, yeah, when I got the opportunity to meet you, to model for you, that was that was really um a very enjoyable experience. So yeah, I'm just super excited to be able to have you on. Yeah. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thanks for modeling for me. Yes, that was very fun. <laughs> I wanted to first start off by asking if you can introduce yourself and what you do. 
Hi. Thank you, Marissa, for having me. My name is Rochelle Navalis Yao. I am the owner of a small business called Dancing Kind. Um, and basically we specialize in vintage clothing. And I recently started some um, in-house clothing designs that I've been able to thankfully create in like the last year. So we're based out of Los Angeles and yeah. Before we kind of talk about like what you're doing currently, I always like, like to ask all my guests about their relationship with childhood, with creativity as a child. So what was your relationship with creativity as a child? What did you like to do to express yourself? Ooh, I like that question. <laughs> so we, I, I actually grew up in a really creative household. I was actually homeschooled for like five years. And oh, okay. within that time, it was just my sister, Reina, and I, we had a video camera, a camcorder, like in the 90s. And we just always made movies, always made videos. We did like runways together, pretending we were models. <laughs> and thankfully, my parents were just very encouraging of that. And we would do like live shows and stuff on our and record each other. And so growing up as a child, I feel like it was a lot of it was fostered. Creativity was fostered through like just performing me and my sister for each other with a, a camcorder. And um, yeah, I, I feel like that was just the basis of my childhood, actually. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I have one of those like camcorders, too. And I always because I don't know where any of those like tapes are. I was like, I wish I could like see what the heck I was doing with those because I like semi remember like recording some stuff and just like narrating and being like a dorky little kid and I'm like Ugh, I want to see that but it's like gone do you have any of those right I that know. you can rewatch so, yeah so I know my parents have it in the garage and I'm actually scared it doesn't work anymore because who knows if mm. the camcorder still works yeah. so I actually I'm gonna tell my mom like all I want for my birthday and Christmas this year is the tapes so I could save them <laughs> <laughs> yeah so hopefully I could save them I have no idea if if they're salvageable but we'll see yeah, that's fun. So I know, or I wanted to ask because it's in the name of your shop, Dancing Kind, that you are a dancer, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm a dancer. So when did that start? So dancing came into my life. Um, and I think people would be really surprised because I was, I'm the youngest of four kids. And mm -hmm. so they would, my siblings would always want me to dance, but I was really shy up until I was like 13. But I feel like I actually discovered my love for dance in high school. I started, I took a dance class. And from there, I just like, once I got to college, I got a job so I could pay for dance classes. And I just didn't stop. I actually stopped school because I wanted to do it professionally. And then I danced at like Disneyland for a little bit. And that was really fun. But from there, I, I even though I stopped dancing, dance never left me. And so even years later, after like stopping formally training, I've been like trying to find ways to incorporate dance into my life still. And so, yeah, movement is very like healing and rejuvenating for me. So it's something that I've always just wanted to keep into my life. When you started, at what point did it become something that you were like, oh, I want to or was it instantaneous, like wanting to, you know, study it and take like all these classes and kind of immerse yourself in it? Yeah, I think it was definitely like a journey. I felt like it was unrealistic at first to pursue mm. dance because I, I maybe there's no financial stability and there's just a lot of unpredictability with dance. And so I think over time, I just 
found myself, I don't want to do anything else but dance. So what am I doing? So that's when I sort of made that decision. And I stopped school for maybe like a year and a half. Um, but it was definitely, I had to like come to that decision, which wasn't easy and just kind of like leapt into it and took the risk for a bit. Yeah. Do you feel like, because I know you you said your family was pretty supportive, like as you were a child, when you were making like that decision, were they still supportive or did they have like reservations about it? Yeah, my dad at <laughs> first was like, oh no, like, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Like, what, like, why dance? And and so at first, I, I think um, he was a little bit reluctant, but I generally, though, after expressing some reluctance, he was pretty supportive. Um, and so thankfully, yeah, they're, they're pretty strict, but they did let me kind of pursue it and go for it. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, but that is, I think that is something that happens to a lot of people where their family is like, and it's like usually from a place of like just being worried, but they do express like, ooh, like, are you sure? We're not sure about this. Yeah, um, especially the that, arts. Yeah. Yeah, but that's good that they at least kind of came around afterward, after a bit. So... Around you, you were in college, so you were like in your early. Were you in like your early twenties? Yeah, at this so point? I was maybe I was dancing full time, maybe from eighteen to twenty two. So what were those years like? Oh wow, good! I've like not <laughs> thought about this in a long time. Um, yeah, I think um, I was a part of like a scholarship program, and so. Mm. Um, I was just dancing kind of like 24-7 or I'd dance like all day. And then when I started working, I would dance and then go to work. And so I initially like wanted to be a dance major in school, but I was like, eh, who needs school? So (laughs) I just started training and um, just going to events. And I feel like I never got to the point where I was like starting to get myself to audition. I was just sort of like dancing and getting myself out there. But yeah, those years, I think it it just looked like full-time training and I was just like just in full dance mode all the time and um, always looking for the next class to take. So yeah, it was just kind of like nonstop dance training and I was really happy and really enjoying it. Cool, cool. Were there ever any other, well, I know you said like performing in general, but along with dance, can you remember like any other creative outlets that you had for yourself? Yeah. Uh, as a like teenager? Mm-hmm. I was a I was an avid journaler and so I'm the kind of person who has just like a bunch of journals that are half finished. And so I um uh, I, I feel like unless you were really close to me and really knew me, you knew I like doodled a lot. And so I mean I wouldn't call myself an artist in that way in terms of like drawing and painting, but I would doodle designs for clothes. So and I think I was really inspired by like cultural wear which like I I just love patterns and colors and so I would like take from magazines and tape them to my journal and so not only would I love writing and journaling but I would always always like sketch dresses too which is Mm -hmm. something I never imagined I I really never thought I would like fashion I don't have a background in like I just didn't think it would happen I just did it because I liked dresses (laughs) doodling and writing were also my creative outlets growing up I think those are like mostly my teen years I just journaled and drew all the time before I started taking dance more seriously that's cool that you were doodling like designs for dresses and now you have dancing kind I know releasing (laughs) dresses (laughs) yeah it's yeah it's super interesting so I know that you are you're a special education teacher right Mm -hmm. so 
I guess, can you talk about like, how did you decide to take this path? Maybe like when you started winding down with focusing only on dancing, did you go directly into pursuing teaching or was there like space in between that? What was that like? Yeah, it, it was, I, it was a lot of going for things and trial and error. And I think that's good. Like in life, if you want to go for it, go for it. Cause if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but at least you went for it. So for mm-hmm. dance, I decided something just kicked in me when I was like 21 or 22. And I was like, Hey, actually I want to, I think I want to finish school. Cause I was only one year away from finishing. So mm-hmm. I finished, I, I went back and I finished. And then right after I finished, I decided to volunteer and serve. Um, and so I did this short program where I was just like volunteering in different places around the world. And then when I got back from that, I, I just realized how much we have in this country and how I wanted to like give to like, and I always had a a place in my heart um, for people with special needs and with, um, or with diverse needs. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, that, that trip where I was able to serve and volunteer, I was able to kind of work alongside a lot of kids who had diverse needs. And that kind of put in my heart to pursue a career in special education as well. And so as soon as I got back from that volunteer trip, I like went for a program to get what I needed to teach special ed. And yeah, that's another dream that I sort of just like went after and thankfully it came into fruition. But yeah, it's very hard, but very fulfilling. Yeah, I I used to work most of my job experiences in education. Like in my last position, I worked there for like five years and I was like the math person. And I worked with a lot of the other teachers, including like the special education team and working with those students as well. So, well, I'm going to ask you, I want to ask you about this later, but I just want to say right now, like, I know that that is a lot of hard work and also a lot of paperwork. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, props to you for all of that. Um, Yeah, but that's really special. And I'm glad that you, like you said, like going after that dream that you had, like that's really special as well. Yeah, it's, it's been really, it's, I've been very thankful for it and it's provided a lot of things in my life that I'm really thankful for. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Cool. So since that is like your full-time job now and like you had like that kind of space away from solely focusing on dancing, do you feel like your relationship to dance has changed now that you're in a different place in life? And if so, like, how would you describe the way it's changed. Ooh, yeah, a hundred percent. When I was pursuing it in my like early twenties, late teens, dance for me was very like competitive, mm. um, and I just always felt self conscious. Always felt like comparing myself to every other person in the room um, and never feeling good enough. And so during that season of my life, and especially being a lot younger, I wasn't very like solidified in my identity and who I was as a person. And so. Yeah, I was just very kind of like easily lost in dance, like putting myself down. And and so I think now rediscovering it and not pursuing it in the same way, but still including it in different ways. I, I feel like it's more it's more recharging now and it's more like something that really like I, I allow to give me life. Um, and so if I take a class, it's I know it's like for me and it's to take care of myself um, and I'm not mm-hmm. doing it to get a job or anything like that. So I think. The, the change has been amazing where now it's more just like a healing tool and a way I'm able to express like parts of myself that I, I, I don't normally talk about or yeah. Cause I feel like dance brings out a different part of me too, that 
I don't know. I think if you like meet me and talk to me, I don't, I don't know. Just different dance spaces bring out a lot of emotion, and and now I'm able to really enjoy it and experience it versus getting really self conscious about it. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That's really because I I would imagine that it's I, I don't really know anything about dance um, and like the dance world, but I feel like I could see how it. it it can be very competitive. Yeah, it's super uh-huh. like it's all about your appearance too, right? And so yeah. I don't know. That was a huge turnoff for me, and I think um, especially I look so young. You know, I'm like this this uh, Asian small human, and I'm competing against these like really tall. I don't know. <laughs> it was just really hard, especially during that time. I had a lot of insecurities, especially being a woman of color. Um, and mm-hmm. just seeing preferential treatment for maybe like my, my counterparts who were white or, um, things like that. So it was just really just a lot of things I had to process through, but yeah, it's all about appearance, which was really hard for me. Yeah, definitely. I wanted to kind of now ask about pivoting to dancing kind first, just have you always like loved fashion and vintage? Yeah, clothing? for sure. I've always loved, um, Thrift store shopping, my family, we would go to the thrift stores and my dad would take us and he'd just sit around while we're all shopping. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I've definitely, my sisters love it too. So we all just kind of loved it together. And yeah, I loved vintage in high school. I was always wearing vintage and it's definitely, I've loved fashion and vintage and that's always been a part of my life in some way. So at what point did the the idea for dancing kind of, was the first, I know it was previously Happy Dance. Was that what it started off as? Yeah. Uh-huh. Happy Dance Vintage. Yeah. How did that come to be? So I actually owned a vintage shop on Etsy oh. like while mm-hmm. I was dancing. So in my early 20s, I had an Etsy shop. And so I was selling vintage and my sister, Raina, was my model and it was awesome. <laughs> and then so, yeah, it's like almost a decade later, I think um, I was on an airplane and this was like 2019 and I was on an airplane in the Philippines And Mm -hmm. I was just like, really, it's always special to go back to the Philippines because it's like my roots and I get to, you know, kind of get into myself. (laughs) And so I feel like on the plane, I just had an idea. I was like, wow, dance is such a huge part of me. And I really love fashion, too. So and this was before reels and stuff came out. (laughs) So I was like, oh, my gosh, like, why don't I dance in vintage? Like, boom, that's amazing. I, I feel like I had never seen that at that point. And so um, I like leaned over and told my partner and he was like, yeah, do it. As soon as we got home, I just like, I was so scared because I'd never danced publicly before. Mm, and so mm-hmm. um, I remember posting my first video and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to delete. I'm going to delete. I can't do it. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. And I think it was also, it was launched because of like motherhood and becoming a mom was really hard for me. I didn't expect it to be as hard as it was. And so I was, I started Happy Dance Vintage because it's like, oh, if something makes you feel like you want to do a happy dance, you should get it. And so I just incorporated my love for dance and my love for vintage and the need to connect with myself amidst motherhood. And mm-hmm. it just happened, thankfully. Yeah. Yeah. You were definitely ahead of the times in terms of <laughs> the way that you were communicating online with dance. Now it's like, you know, everywhere. <laughs> you predicted yeah. the, the trend. No, no. I just, I was just <laughs> like, oh my gosh, like that's a really scary thing to do. But 
I think it'd be cool to do it. Speaking of like that vulnerability, like how do you feel that? Because I, I feel like I've seen you speak about this before in some of your posts of like, you know, how not only was this just like a vintage shop, but it's kind of like helped you. Like you were saying, like processing like your experiences as a mother. Um, so do you feel like just by doing this project, starting this shop, like how has it kind of like impacted you, like your your growth. Mm-hmm. If, sorry, is that kind of, I know that's kind of like yeah. a broad question, but like my growth as like a person, right? Yeah, yeah. Or like with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. I think that um, because I put myself out there so much, and I think people who don't who don't really know me don't know that I actually don't prefer to be in front of the camera. Mm. Um, and so, but because I started during COVID, I had to be my own model. And mm-hmm. I also couldn't force people to dance, right? So I knew mm-hmm. I had to dance. Um, so I think at first, like, it kind of started similar to how I felt about dancing in my early 20s, where I was just really self-conscious. Um, and I would never want to show people, like, me dancing unless they came to watch me perform or something. But I was super insecure. And I feel like as this business, as I just kind of, like, gave myself to it and poured into it, I feel like the vulnerability allowed me to become more confident and just like, who cares? Who cares if people like yeah. don't like it or are annoyed with dancing or I don't know, just like not caring and just doing my thing. And I think that took a lot of growth because it wasn't like that at the beginning. And so I think that also translated into my life and just kind of, if I have something to say and speak in, don't, who cares if someone like disagrees and yeah, sort of learning to know like my voice and to speak my voice and just be confident in it. Um, and I think that that's not easy to do um, often. Or, yeah. 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 Because um, I I definitely feel like the same way in terms of like, like my projects, like before, I don't know, just like by going through like the practice of like, like, for example, like having a podcast and or like put, putting my like art out there. I feel like it does translate to like, me as an individual, like you said, like feeling more confident, just like in my voice and like my perspective. Um, yeah, I love your illustrations. Thank you. And so like even just like seeing following like other folks online who they're kind of like practicing the same thing by putting out what they might be scared to put out in the world, such as yourself, like being able to see that internal. So like helps me. Um, and so I definitely think like it kind of like is an example for other people as well too. And especially like you said, like like for yourself as like a woman of color, I'm like Mexican American, but I know that I'm like white passing. So I know it's like definitely different. Having our voices heard is something that like, we're not really, you know, encouraged to do or uh, it's suppressed. So I feel like that is a very like powerful act of like, even if it seems like, you know, it's just dancing or it's just clothes it's a way of like kind of resisting that right suppression. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, you talking about all that makes me think of too. I think like my struggle with a whiteness has been a struggle all my life. And so that's something I still deal with now where like, I feel like the vintage community, it's, it's diverse, but majority of it is, is white. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so 
I think that I was very intimidated. And I think like, I don't know, maybe this is my insecurities probably, but I went into it thinking like, I feel like white women get a lot more, um, like it looks better on them or it, or this is just stuff I would go through as like a woman of color. Like, um, they get more likes, they get more like attention or get more looks yeah. and stuff. And here I am. I just look, I look like a high school student, even though I'm like 30. <laughs> um, and so, um, I just had to really battle through my insecurities, insecurities of like entering this space that's predominantly white and knowing that I'm worthy to be there still. And so yeah. that was and still is hard for me, not as hard as it used to be. But yeah, it's it's definitely a struggle. <laughs> no, yeah, definitely. Um, I have seen like other creators talk about this as well, about like how, yeah, like the vintage space definitely is like predominantly white and you know that's definitely tied into like broader issues of an history of like racism and you know eurocentric beauty standards so yeah i feel like just like your presence is definitely very radical even if it sometimes because sometimes i feel like oh uh i like kind of talk down to myself too about like oh art is not that serious or because i really love clothing too like i've always loved like fashion and stuff but sometimes I I feel like silly about it. But then I'm like, no, it's it's really not silly. And and following like other women and women of color who like those are what their platforms are based on has really helped me to also learn about like the significance of of fashion. Yeah, I don't know where I was trying to end with that, but it's definitely very. Your presence is very powerful and definitely has an impact especially for other artists creators and fashion people who you know enjoy fashion yeah thank you I, I I love to when I get messages from other like people of color who are just like thank you for doing this or thank you for yeah just thank you for going for it it's made me want to go for this project I've been waiting on and so I think those are probably one of the most rewarding messages to hear because I think a lot yeah, a lot of people are scared to go for it, including me. And so it always is nice to hear people like going for it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So you were already teaching when you decided to start Happy Dance, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah. So, so what was it like starting that while you're a teacher? <laughs> oh, man, um, I think I, I like gave myself to it too much. I was like working 24 seven. And so like I was teaching and doing my work during the day and doing what I needed to do. If I ever got a break, I would work on happy dance. At night, I would continue working on it. And it just became like my life day and night. And as a mom, it wasn't that practical. And so my partner had to talk to me and be like, hey, I don't think this is good. <laughs> I don't think this is um, like good for us in terms of long term. And that was really hard for me. And so in the beginning, it was really hard for me to give up time for happy dance at that time. But I don't know. I, I think... He's so supportive. So we've just been trying to figure it out. And like, like, especially now, I think I, I've come to accept that like my season in life is I don't have the capacity and I'm not at the place yet to be able to pursue dancing kind full time, though that's mm -hmm. the hope for the future. But I've been able to understand that um, currently it's going to come in seasons. And so as I have to focus on like students, especially in high seasons like now, um, I have to be OK with dancing kind sort of taking the back seat, which is super hard for me but yeah. I think now that I've I'm a little more mature in it where I'm like my worth and identity is not placed in 
like my productivity with dancing kind yeah. and how many followers I have or how many, like all that stuff. So I think I'm at a healthy place with being able to sort of separate myself from that, which all around is just so much better for life. <laughs> yeah. 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 I can definitely relate to feeling like, uh, and I'm not a parent, so I know that it's like very different, but even like in my experience with working and trying to like pursue my own projects previous but knowing that like having like you know family and home responsibilities it can be very difficult when you want to like give more of yourself to like your personal projects but it's just not realistic and some, sometimes I would feel like I was disappointing myself mm -hmm. but like yeah. you said I'm more coming to terms in the same way you have been with like their seasons for for everything and like yeah not placing my value and like my productivity with with anything but especially like with like the things that I'm passionate about it's okay to and and I'm trying to like focus on like it's like slow and steady wins the race you know so yeah and, and art, like that's not even a race either yeah <laughs> <laughs> but art is so it's really hard like that because art heavily depends on us mm -hmm. and because we are the ones who create the art like whether it's a dance or illustration and so if we're not feeling well like we can't produce and so yeah it's it's a beautiful thing but also really difficult that that our art heavily relies on our well-being yeah so yeah so isabel your first isabel dress came out was it last year or 2020 i think it oh when was it <laughs> i think it was this past year i think it was december yeah. or something yeah so when did that idea come to you and what was it like like deciding to do that yeah. So as soon as I started the vintage shop, I already had that design in my head. Mm. And I think it was from, I was selling a lot of vintage square dance blouses, um, which if you mm. look at those, it looks similar. And so I knew I wanted a dress version, uh, but I wasn't finding it anywhere. And I, if I did, it wasn't, it wasn't nursing friendly and I was, I'm still nursing. And so um, I needed like easy access and I wasn't finding that. And so, I mean, for a long time, I, I had it and I, just didn't know where to start. So even though I had the idea since like 2019, 2020, I didn't get to start until like a year later to actually like do the hard stuff of just going, doing like meeting people and talking to people to make it happen. But it definitely was in the works since I started the shop. What would you say launched the action of actually being able to make it happen? And what did that look like for you? Yeah, I think 2020 more specifically was really scary for all of us just because it yeah. was like the very start of COVID. So I think that's probably why I, I just didn't have the guts to go for it during that year. Cause it, I mean, you, like I couldn't meet with anyone. No one was seeing each other yeah. in person. So, um, I don't, I think during the summer of 2021 is when I, I just decided to go for it. Cause I, I, I knew if I didn't go for it, it wouldn't happen. And also I vintage is very hard. You have to keep like hunting and going to thrift stores and if you don't find anything then there's nothing or um but I wanted something too that I love that could kind of just be in the shop that I don't have to like source for all the time and so that's kind of what launched me just to make it more efficient for myself too I wanted to bring something to the shop that could just be provided and not have to be hunted for all the time um yeah so that maybe like summer 2021 I started doing it I, I know no one in fashion even though I'm in LA and I People in fashion, you know, they learn, but they're not just going to reveal all their secrets and all their yeah. contacts. And so I had to do a lot of my own like homework and 
bunch of phone calls, bunch of knocking on doors and just figuring it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What was that process like and how long was it until to getting it released, the first dresses? Yeah. So I, um, after a lot of people being like, sorry, we can't work with you. Sorry, we can't work with you. Or they had a minimum of, I needed to make like a thousand dresses and yeah. it just was too big for someone as like who produces very small like me. And so as soon as I found the person, it was really amazing. And from there she was willing, her name's Cheryl. And we went straight into pattern making and I just drew it out for her. I had like a vintage um, square dancing thing that I it was inspired by. And from that point, it maybe took like, um, took maybe like a month to get the pattern down. And then she made a sample and that took like another month to perfect. <laughs> um, and then I opened pre-orders because I didn't have a lot of like cash to kind of fund it. And so pre-orders helped me um, do it. So from there after, so all in all, it maybe took like, uh, maybe like six months, six, nine months. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when, when it finally came out, what was that like for you? Like, was it, did it go how you expected it to go? Or did you have expectations at all? How are you feeling like releasing that out into the world? Yeah, I was so, I was really blown away by the how it was received. I, I think it went better than I imagined. And so um, just seeing people support and I, I knew I had to put like my heart into it and my story of like Isabel and why it's named Isabel. And I think people really love people's stories and love the people behind things. And so I was so thankful for, for just like the turnout. So many, I was expecting like, oh man, I'd be so happy if I got like 10 orders. <laughs> and then it just like far exceeded it. And, and um, I... I was just like, oh, shoot, this is like amazing, like way better than I thought and gave me hope for the future of like Dancing Kind and perhaps for more designs and to to make it better. And the first one was really special because it was produced and all created in this woman's home. So in a way, it's special because it's very homemade. And so now we're, we're not in a home anymore. But yeah, it was it was just really amazing to see the love and support that people were and grace that people were showing me. Yeah. That's really awesome that it exceeded your expectations. Mm -hmm, yeah. um, so I know that I got to see the future patterns for um, those are like fall. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, I mean, the um, I really love mini dresses, especially. So, you know, all of the newest editions of the Isabel dress, I really love, especially that the summer ones. But I know that we have fall coming up soon and you have a few fabrics that are not yet released. Um, are you planning to release those this yeah. year? Or <laughs> oh my after? gosh, yeah. So that's because I've been getting so sick. I Everything's been just getting pushed back. But yeah, yeah I, I need to do that. So thank you. <laughs> so I'm definitely, I need to do that in September. So I'm definitely going to um, release some of the dead stock, more fallish feel fabric. Um, September, October at the latest, but definitely like September, October. But yeah, they're really beautiful. So I'm like, dang, I need to get this out there. I know. I'm very excited. What was it like choosing the, the fabrics for this second edition? It's hard because I don't know. It's just really hard to find fabric and fabric is really expensive, mm -hmm. um, especially with inflation and everything. And um, so 
I just, I don't know. I just dig downtown LA and like these dead, dead stock places and they just have bolts sitting around. And yeah, if I like, if it's like a, it feels, it's like a natural fiber, it feels really good and airy and I love the color. So just took a lot of time to look for them, but it's definitely there. It's, it's possible. I just need to, it requires me going and getting dirty. <laughs> yeah. A lot of, uh, hard work. Um, but yeah, those are beautiful. I can't wait to see people's reaction to them because yeah, they're gorgeous. Cool. Is there any other like dream projects or where you see yourself going with Dancing Kind that you feel comfortable talking about publicly? If not, if it's still, you know, generating, I totally respect that. Uh, a couple of things. Yeah. So I'm, I have um, new samples being made for a new design. Mm -hmm. So it's a super slow process. I started this in June and I don't even have my first sample done yet. We're just still trying to perfect the pattern. And so I have new designs coming. I hope to have like a sort of like capsule of in-house designs that I could kind of like, you could wear all the time and things like that. So I'm, that's in the works. I honestly, I don't know when it's going to be done, but it will. And then I also want to find more ways to incorporate. I'm working towards um, dance therapy. Um, mm. So I'm in school because I really want to like be a therapist. I know I'm in, <laughs> I'm like going back to school, all that stuff. But yeah, so I, I really want to do movement therapy and hopefully one day incorporate that into like dancing kind and have a space in LA or somewhere where you could come take classes or therapy sessions. And also you could come like, there's a little space for shopping in real life. And so, yeah, that's, that's a hope for the future. Don't know when, but I think it'd be, I don't know. I think it'd be amazing. That's exciting. I didn't even realize that you were also going to school, which again, blows my mind because <laughs> there's, those are a lot of big, um, things that you're working on. So that's, that's amazing. I mean, and, and as far as like the timeline, like I feel like two, which is re what's really special about like your shop, dancing kind and other like slow fashion is, you know, we're so used to in our society, like fast fashion and everything's fast and, um, so I think it's actually really special when we can see when things are slower. It's more like intentional and yeah. Yeah, it's so slow. <laughs> yeah, people don't realize it's like a very slow process. And I'm only working on like one dress, you know, and so yeah, I can't imagine. I don't know how people do it, but I'm learning. So yeah, it's it's exciting. It's fun to learn. But I appreciate you for modeling for me and just being really supportive. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was really fun. Cool, cool. So I just have one more question, which I also like to ask everybody, which is just what do you like to do just for, for fun? Mm, um, for fun, I love being by myself. <laughs> so even though people think I'm a huge extrovert because around people I'm very like loud, but I love just being by myself and getting a good coffee and, um, I really enjoy just like being outside. Being outside is my favorite thing to do for fun and eating good food is my favorite thing to do for mm -hmm. fun. Um, I am a, I, I have tons of amazing Asian food around me I'm very thankful for. So you'll often find me eating out. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, outside of like dancing and all this stuff I talked about, like I also just love being by myself and being outside. Um, and I find a lot of, yeah, inspiration from just getting out by myself. So yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah. I love being alone too. I mean, I talk about it kind of a lot or I feel like at least with like my family, it's like known that I'm like an introvert. So I do like being alone, but um, 
I think it is something that is kind of overlooked with people who we typically mm-hmm. like categorize as extroverts or would think that they're extroverts. But I mean, alone time is important for everybody. So yeah, yeah. after I'm with a bunch of people, I'm like, okay, I'm a hibernate. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely yeah. a recharge. Cool. Cool. Well, thank you. Thank you again, Rochelle. Um, it was a pleasure talking to you and I'm excited to see the future of Dancing Kind. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for being so supportive and thank you for having me. I, I really Yay. appreciate it. And just, yeah, you just, from the moment, even before we met, you've been so supportive. And so thank you. I really, <laughs> I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the episode with Rochelle of Dancing Kind. Her website and social media are linked below if you want to shop Dancing Kind and follow them on social media. I really appreciate what Rochelle talked about regarding seasons in our life for creativity and productivity. That's something that has really stuck with me and I try to remind myself of regularly because it's just so true and such a healthier way of viewing our life and creativity. So yeah, hopefully you can remind yourself of that as well. And again, subscribe to the show if you're not already. And please, if you enjoyed this episode or any previous episodes, leave us a rating and written review for the show. It would really help out. And you can also still receive a free sticker for leaving a written review if you screenshot it and email it to me along with your mailing address at uh, marisuelena at gmail.com or you can DM us on social media on Instagram. Uh, The links for all that will be below. Yeah, thank you again so much and I hope you have a beautiful week.